Hello to everyone tuning in today. My name is Kara Bernstein from the Millennium Alliance. And maybe you're watching this on YouTube or maybe you're listening to this on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. But we are really excited today for you to be tuning in for an exclusive chat with Sujit Bambawale, the Chief Information Security Officer at 7-Eleven. Suji is a Millennium Alliance veteran at this point. <laughs> Suji, you have been to a couple of our events, you've sat on different panel discussions, and you're joining us next week for an event as our keynote speaker. So as always, we're honored to be working with you, and thank you so much for being here today. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, and it's a pleasure to be participating in your events. I feel strongly about giving back to the information security community. Um, I think they can benefit from my mistakes, if not from my few successes. So I think it's important for not just me, but every information security leader to participate in such events uh, to just spread the wisdom as best as we can. Great. Well, let's dive in and hear some some insight. <laughs> so I'm, I'm of, cur- of course curious to hear about this iconic global brand that, that you're currently working for, but I think we should take a step back and, and talk about how you got started. So career growth. You started at EY and KPMG. You then spent some time at Symantec and Intuit. So I'm curious to hear how you got started and, and what really motivated you to, to be in the cybersecurity space. It offers immense value in expanding horizons over a diverse set of companies in the Fortune X space. And the good part about this is that these clients are not always in a specific industry vertical or industry space. So what that does is it lays the groundwork for a much needed foundational context by which folks like us can start building our own understanding of how information security is critical to the value chain in terms of present and future value to customers, shareholders, partners. This experience really helps round out information security from being just a technology discipline to a pragmatic business view. And by understanding supply chain, by understanding customer needs, by understanding global scale, I think that starting experience was critical for me to make the transition from a technology mindset to more of a business mindset. As we went ahead, um, even in those roles and then to Intuit and other companies, I started appreciating more how information security, more than just a discipline, needs to have a normalized seat at the table. And let let me stress on that. I think it's not just about saying, okay, information security needs to have a seat at the decision-making table, but it's also incumbent on information security leaders to present information security risk in a normalized way to the company. It's not just about information security, it's about the company. So I think making a relative assessment between information security risk and all the other risks and all the other opportunities that a company has and presenting that in a comprehensive, holistic way is very important. And I think that experience at the big five and the big four, um, that really helps widen the latitude, give you that experience and build that pragmatic business view. Following the big five, 
I moved to Intuit where I spent a long time, uh, about 11 years. Wonderful experience, great company, and really embraces customer-driven innovation. Uh, global scale, again, I was fortunate to get that experience there. And I think it's just been building um, as a very good, very nurturing career arc in which I've seen the latitude of the big four. I've seen uh, financial software at the intersection of finance and software at Intuit. I've seen world-class enterprise data management mm -hmm. at NetApp. Um, and then LifeLock acquired by Symantec was really bringing me close to that customer fiber, that customer feedback, the customer innovation, what the customer needs, what the customer relates to, again, at a global scale. So I think where this kind of led me to is to re realize and recognize and respect the evolution of security. It used to be very compliance driven in the past. Um, it has maintained a strong foundation of relevance to the customer and the customer relevance has only grown over time. And now we're seeing information security as an engineering um, heavy discussion and an engineering heavy discipline. But I'm also seeing that risk is getting higher and higher in the conversation. And that's good because, you know, just talking about information security as a technology discipline is not always the best uh, view of it. No, it makes a ton of sense. And I think the evolution of, of security we will get to um, throughout this conversation. So I, I do want to shift to this concept of, of organizational leadership. And I know you've done some work uh, in this space with a focus on cyber and innovation. And so what are some of the challenges that you face that you've seen other uh, colleagues and peers facing with organizational leadership that is specific to, to a global organization? Communication at global scale is the bedrock of everything. And we're fortunate to live in a time where communication is easier than before. The communication fabric that we are blessed with today is global, is instantaneous, and it's near free. Mm -hmm. So that is something that we should always make use of. The challenges, though, are making time for reflection and making time for strategic thinking. That gets harder and harder, especially in a domain like information security that is very well known for its tactical point of view. So making time for reflection is important. Strategic thinking is important. The last thing I think a, that is a challenge or an area of opportunity is the constant awareness and alignment with where the customer is. Because there's a responsibility with information security as with other disciplines to evolve with the customer as well as to educate the customer's evolution. Mm. So I think that's very important. You know, we can drill down into tactical examples like say, for example, multi-factor authentication, you know, three, five, seven years ago, the expectation that your bank's going to give you a very easy way of multi-factor authentication was not so prevalent. Today, you expect it. Mm -hmm. Today, you expect that your bank or your financial institution or your health institution is going to enforce facial recognition for your apps. So we have to evolve with the customer and often we have to educate the customer. So that alignment, going back to organizational leadership, the alignment between the customer's needs, 
and the customer's evolution is very important. So mm-hmm. communication, making time for reflection and strategic thinking, and then constantly being aware of your global customer is very important. Sure. And I'm sure, you know, not even for, for cyber executives, anyone in the C-suite, I, it seems like that would apply, apply to. Yes. yes. There are so many trends, and I'm, I'm putting that in air quotes, or, or buzzwords that are constantly floating around. And so I want to get your thoughts on cloud mitigation. Definitely one of those buzzwords um, that's been, been floating around. Where does cloud security rank among your priorities right now at 7-Eleven? Cloud migration has certainly been a buzzword for a while. Um, it went from the lift and shift vernacular to a cloud native vernacular in recent times. And I'm very happy to see that the cloud native vernacular is gaining steam. I think it's very important that applications be developed at cloud native scale so that they can natively benefit from the elasticity and the growing intelligence of the cloud. Securing this scale and securing this ability to intuitively stretch uh, with the customer through microservices, through microservices architecture and things of that nature, I think is a key priority for information security because it is the way that we now expect business to be done. Um, I don't even remember the last time that people just accepted that a website was down. We don't accept these things anymore. Uh, We think that, well, it's in the cloud. How can it go down? So our expectations have changed. And similarly, I think getting back from a security event, the resilience expectation from an organization or an application of any size from a security event, from an outage event, that expectation has also changed. Um, If you were to say, for example, see a we're down because of X page, even more than a few seconds on your favorite web-based application, you would actually wonder about like, what's wrong? How can (laughs) this happen? Um, So I think our expectations have changed and therefore securing cloud migration activities and doing them right at cloud native scale is very important and a priority to information security. And I think that transitions well into this uh, whole remote work situation. (laughs) And we are not accepting when our servers are down at home. And so it is Q1 of, of 2021. And I don't think a conversation can not touch upon COVID. And so I want to talk a little bit about that and how specifically remote work has impacted your role um, as CISO at, at 7-Eleven. You know, there's so much been discussed about remote work and security that uh, I'm sure everyone listening to this has already heard it. Um, I'll take a slightly different tact. I'll talk about the human part of remote work. I think that As leaders, um, as managers, I think that we were not really ready for when productivity swung the other way. We were always thinking about how to make the most out of productivity cycles available within the team. And now, for better or worse, and it's an unfortunate way to get there, but it's actually swung the other way. And now all of us, are at our screens all the time because there's, you know, because our social lives have kind of shrunk to protecting our families and staying within our homes, all for good reason. Now, are we ready for that? 
are we ready for that um, accidental burst of productivity? And I think tempering our expectations to the human factor is very important. I mean, it's great for having, you know, all our sock people staring at their screens 24 hours a day, but is that the right thing to do? I think mental health should be prioritized. Small things like taking a break, walking around, having standing desks, that should be prioritized. So I think it is incumbent on information security leaders as any other leaders um, who have a very tactical component um, to really recognize the human factor of remote work and recognize that, you know, we are forced into remote work for some very pressing reasons. And there could be people unwell at home. There could be kids needing school support. There could be X, there could be Y, right? And we should be cognizant about the human factor of that. Sure. We're, we're unsure what's going on behind everyone's virtual background. <laughs> So, so it, it's safe to say that CISOs are, are really needing to build a healthy security culture while, while working largely, you know, in a remote-based workforce. So what does that come with? What, what advice can you give to someone, you know, for security leaders that are struggling in this area right now? You know, as with any other discipline, information security has a mix of introverts and extroverts. It has a mixture of magicians and mechanics. It has tinkerers and racers. I think it is very important to create a safe space for that diversity because it is that diversity of thought and background that makes information security grow. So I think uh, it's for any domain really, but you know, in information security, when we want that creative angle, when we want that, uh, oh my God, that's a really elegant hack or that's a really elegant way of protecting something, when we want that, I think it's really necessary for all of us to create a safe space for our teams, create a safe space for our colleagues. If you want to be an introvert, be an introvert. If you want to be an extrovert, entertain the team. If you're, if you're a magician, it is what it is. Um, and we support all that. So I think communication and psychological safety is very important in that context of supporting remote work and a healthy security culture when it has those things not just within your team but with your internal partners i think it flourishes mm -hmm. so if you have an internal partner a team that information security works with on a regular basis and they have that safe space to say okay i think there's something off here but I want to have that safe conversation in which information security is not, you know, going to ring three bells and, you know, report me and stuff like that. But they're going to work with me and say, OK, I understand your concern. Let's work together. I think that's very important. Back back to the basics, like you said, that human, the human factor. That's right. That's right. So I mentioned earlier that you are joining us next week for our virtual cyber event. You're going to open up our program as keynote speaker. And I want our listeners to get kind of a sneak peek here as to what you're hoping to convey to our audience. And so my next question for you, which I know is going to give some insight into your talk, um, are we ready for what's next? <laughs> you know, now that 2020 is in hindsight, where do we go from here? How do we get there? What are your thoughts on this? If I were to make a set of predictions for what we should prepare for, we should prepare for offensive artificial intelligence. And that comes to mind the first. I'll speak about this a bit more in detail um, next week. But 
I continue to find myself concerned about the negative or the threat actor utilization of artificial intelligence. Because we have so much that we are thinking about using artificial intelligence for and using AI for. And when I think about just a small tweak of those outcomes uh, that could be abused by threat actors, by cyber criminals, I start beginning to think, why hasn't it happened already? Why isn't it happening right now? And these could be intelligent but scaled um, low and slow attacks. These could be um, another variant of attacks that we may know already, or maybe they're slipping through. Um, I certainly hope they're not. But I think offensive artificial intelligence is something that I um, predict will be a concern. And readiness is very important for artificial, offensive artificial intelligence. Um, you know, when I think about self-scaling weaponization, when I think about dynamic identification of threat surfaces, when I think about the rapid design of custom threat vectors, uh, these things um, give me pause and make me think about building the right kind of safeguards and the right kind of defenses against offensive artificial intelligence. Um, the other few would be, of course, talent. And I think organic and inorganic talent pipelines uh, will need to be viewed perhaps differently coming forward. I think we'll have to look at attracting diversity. We'll have to look at identifying aptitude. We'll have to look at energizing rotational development. We'll have to look at how we support constructive failure. So inorganic channels may need to focus more on how we assess aptitude in an objective manner rather than just keep everything very subjective. And we'll have to adapt to the markets. So I see that there could be a few changes coming in the talent space. Um, I think awareness and education may also go some rapid change because I think there is some tedium, if that's a word, uh, building in terms of people getting stale content and just long content in terms of awareness and education. I think people have more of an appetite for quick, small, bite-sized extremely relevant and extremely focused awareness and education content. So I think that's where the industry could go. And finally, I think attack simulation and bug bounty uh, will also have an interesting arc in the coming years. Uh, bug bounty is definitely getting a lot of much deserved recognition. It's helping a lot of companies uh, do the right thing for their customers. Um, but I think that it's a largely unregulated market and I think there could be some changes coming in there. And I guess everyone will just have to tune in to the event next week to get your the full list of the nine <laughs> the nine things to prepare for readiness. So uh, we're we're really looking forward to that. And so my final question to you is is along the lines of continued education and and how it affects your personal growth. Um, I know you do a lot of speaking engagements and you're very involved in this community of of leaders and also aspiring leaders. And as I noted earlier in this interview, you've worked with us now at the Millennium Alliance for, for quite a while. So simply put, what keeps you, what keeps you coming back? And, and what have you really gained from, from working with us? You always have to be a student. You always have to be a student and have a constant learning mindset. Uh, the tradecraft changes, um, the technology changes, the people change, their mindsets change. And for information security to be a successful discipline, you must change with it. 
Um, I think that forever being a student has been something that is, is close to my heart. So I'll always seek out learning opportunities, either organic or inorganic. And I think that conversations like this and meetings like this and events like these have been the greatest teachers. They have helped me identify mentors for myself and they have connected people to me. Um, we've had really good conversations and I, I see learning happening on both sides. So yes, I'm a big fan of continuing professional education, organic and inorganic. Well, Suji, thank you so much for, for being here. To our listeners, as we mentioned, Suji will be going into some, some more detail on, on all of this uh, next week. So please join us then. But Suji, always an honor to be chatting with you and working with you. And thank you. Thank you again for, for being here. Thank you very much. Don't forget to subscribe to Millennium Live, a digital diary podcast. All episodes are available on Digital Diary by going to mel-all.com.